excited to have Ellie Brosh joining us for the pod this week. So Ellie, thanks for joining us. So happy to be here, guys. Love your work. So thanks for having me on. <laughs> we love your work, so this is very good for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, so if for some reason you don't know who Ellie Brush is, she's a foundation W League player, played at Canberra United for absolute yonks, inaugural captain, won a whole bunch of premierships and championships, uh, has played AFLW as well with the West, uh, Greater Western Sydney Giants and then has come back to the dub, has been playing uh, for Western Sydney and now at Sydney FC. So she's been everywhere. She's done everything there is to do. A couple of Matilda's caps to her name as well. So I suppose we'll we'll start off with how are you finding the season so far? Well, in general, um, it's been really phenomenal. What uh, we've seen so many amazing goals, um, and I'm just loving watching it as a fan, really, as much as anything, um, and having a great time with Sydney as well. Um, great bunch of young girls. Uh, and I love being like Ante's great coach um, and mentor. Yeah, we're just having a bunch of fun, really. It's it's just we're so happy to be playing and not re- not in a pub, to be honest. Um, I'm loving the season. Yeah, as I said, it's it's really exciting. As was spoken about before the season, that a lot that this whole Mat- Matilda's Exodus thing, but. Um, and what did get reported as well was that it'll be a huge chance for young kids to pop up and put make a name for themselves, and and that's exactly what's happened really. And I think we've seen the best goals in the league for a very long time, and it's it's only around four or five. Or um, so it's it's a really fun season, and um, I think just going from strength to strength. How's it been for you um, playing alongside so many young kids this year, Ellie? Because we know Sydney FC has always had a really strong Matildas contingent, but you're definitely one of the most experienced players there and you've got some really young kids, especially uh, involved in defence. Yeah, it's it's a nice role for me. I, I really enjoy it, um, trying to build sort of on that mentoring side of the game and, and trying to, I guess, coach in-game or in, in the moments in training Um and I guess just try my best to pass on any sort of experience um, and knowledge I can. So I guess trying, trying to add to that that sort of string to my bow um, maybe brings out the best in me as well. Um, but, yeah, I'm loving uh, playing alongside those guys and uh, it's, it's great to have Teresa Polias there as well to sort of make me not feel quite as old. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she's she's great. Um, she's great, and to have her as captain and and be for a, I don't know. She probably had, it feels like she's been captain at City for the ten years. But she's but yeah, been there for ten years and um, lives and breathes Sydney. And um, yeah, I love working with her. And um, and as I said, the coaching staff. Um, yeah, so loving my time there, and uh, yeah, trying to get the best out of everyone really. And that's just sort of my main mantra for the season. Ellie, you mentioned that uh, <clears throat> before that you that the W League is not in lockdown per se, but we have seen a type of lockdown in terms of teams in New South Wales just playing each other for the opening couple of rounds. So the only teams that you've played in the first five have been Western Sydney and Newcastle. Has that been weird? How do you go about sort of doing something like that? Do you have to sort of be more strategic in terms of changing things up because you're playing these teams so close together? Yeah, good point. It is a hub of sorts, isn't it? Um, And lucky we have the three teams in New South Wales, really to have been able to get through these rounds and play each other home and away. Um, but actually nothing, no, has really changed at all in any of our preparation. Um, it's actually been nice to sort of um, have that game against them and then know you, you're going to be backing up um, and able to fix things straight away um, against exactly that team or um, and yet knowing that they're, they're going to improve as well. Um so it's it's an interesting it's been an interesting little start to the season and um, I don't know it'll, it might be weird to be now let free and you know on the rest of the competition um, and we really don't know how I guess we stack up literally against 
the other team. So um, there's certain, certainly no complacency um, within us at all at this time and it's it's almost been like a little conference and, um, yeah, we, we know that and there's, there's certainly going to be much harder um, or the whole season's hard and so, you know, we've got to be stay, sticking at our best every week, of course, as you've got to do, but um, got to be getting better every day at, at training in preparation really for these these other dynamics that are going to come and we're going to we're going to be hit with we don't know what we're going to get really out of a lot of other teams and we're now so familiar with what the Wanderers and Newcastle. <laughs> what have you made of um, I guess the competition as a whole? Um, we know you guys are sitting right at the top but it's been a bit all over the place. It seems quite open in terms of results. Um, who has impressed you early days? Who do you think you've really got to compete with? Um, I guess maybe come the pointy end of the season. Yeah, um, certainly we were pretty scared of victory after that six nil drubbing, um, and then two weeks later to turn around uh, to Owen see well to to be down six nil um, was something we certainly didn't expect. Um, uh, and I think it goes to show, or well, they, I think they missed a couple of big plays, but particularly Lisa Devana, and she's going to be, she's a hot, um, hot one for the, the um, discussion points at the at the moment. I reckon she's, um, she's at her best still, I think, um, and can beat anyone on her on her day. So she'll certainly be one, along with Kyra Cooney Cross. Um, I think that duo still will be um, really tough for any team coming up against them. Um, so we've got to, got to watch out for them. But um, I think Brisbane, of course, have now hit their straps. It was it was only going to take sort of that, that damn wall to be knocked down, I think, and as you guys spoke about last week, and, and they got they got back at, at you, really, didn't they? Um, showing, showing you what it was, you know. <laughs> uh, I can see you all nodding and laughing there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they're going to be so dangerous um, and certainly they're at the pointy end uh, as well as the the underdogs, Adelaide, and um, what a fantastic team they've got. Um, I really enjoy watching them as well as Newcastle um, who had a fantastic win on the weekend. Um, it's just great players in their roster as well uh, who have probably long gone uh, being on unspoken about um, or being underrated and um, they're having a fantastic season as well. Ellie, um, I think I, we'd be remiss not to mention this given Angela's not here. Your old mates at Canberra, they really got the band back together except for yourself. Um, what have you made of that, seeing like Michelle Heyman come back, Kendall Fletcher, Chantel Jones is back yeah. as well? As I'm glad you team. mentioned Canberra because, um, yes, they deserve their own spot to be spoken about um, by me as well. Um, yeah, I Vicky did um, come knocking. Um, I was quite close. Oh well, I, I did chat to her a couple of times, and um, yeah, it was it was very tempting to go to go back as well, um, particularly with regaining all those plays you you mentioned, and um, definitely yes, getting the old band back together. Um, they were some good, some great, and fun times at Canberra with a lot of those girls. Um, and, of course, my family's back there. Um, yeah, I was very close, but I'd sort of already committed to Ante and Sydney and, and Danny and, um, yeah, uh, my words, you know, I'd stick by my word. And um, so that's where it was at. But, um, yeah, I knew I wanted to play with, with Sydney as well and, and um, go one better really than, than last year. So there was some unfinished business there that, that couldn't quite drag me away. But um, it's been... Great to see to see Michelle back, um, Chantelle, as you said. Um, that yeah, she she sort of hinted a while ago she she might pull back on the glove, so that was cool to see. And what a save I think on the weekend that that first half save was huge. Couple in the second half as well. So she's at a she's going to be at her best. And what a what a leg she's got. She kicked the whole length of the field. Um, and then of course Kendall who. Um, Played, has been playing really well at, um, at MPL level in Sydney here for the last few years. So 
Um, yeah, they missed her as well on the weekend. Um, so that'll be a dangerous side with all those those girls back. And, of course, now Gracie Maher and Nikki Flannery are um, not the young guns, the young kids anymore. They're, they're the real deal. And um, it's been great seeing them get their groove back and um, score some bangers. Are you looking forward to it? It's a couple of weeks away till you play him. Are you going to match up one-on-one with Michelle? I mean, you're used to being at the other end to her, but uh, she's looking in great nick at the moment. Bit of a challenge for you. No, for her, for her. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's funny because we, we do always have a laugh on the field um, playing with each other and that would be the sort of banter that we would um, take out there from from the opening whistle. So... Yeah, it will be it will be a fun game. Um, no, I love playing playing up against her, and um, it's a good matchup. Um, but I I feel like I know a lot of her tricks, and she'll know mine. So yeah, it'll it'll certainly be um, a great battle. Speaking of Michelle. Ellie, like the, I mean, you know this, we all know this, the, the, the big narrative coming into this W League season was about these younger players and how exciting it is the, for the next generation of Matildas and things. But we're also seeing a number of older players really starting to shine. Heyman is one of them, yourself is one of them. What are, your, what are you making of the league in terms of these older, more experienced players who are sticking around? Are they sort of starting to raise their game a bit as well? I don't know about raise their, their game. Maybe in terms of Michelle, because she, she's just coming back. Um, I think. Oh, maybe we've been over, overshadowed a bit in the past. Um, could could be a, a simple solution. Um, but T's been hugely successful and um, consistent for all of her thirteen years in the league, and and does not get the the accolades at all she deserves of the work, the hard work she does in there. Um, as a, a position in a position that's kind of hard to get a lot of attention, as as I know, as a centre back, um, is is often difficult. Um, but it's nice that I guess the older girls are st- starting to um, come to their own, and and I think as I as I sort of um, pointed out that that extra role of of trying to help the young kids. Um, Rather than, I think sometimes in the past there's been a um, a tough culture of um, even within teams of um, sort of bashing the young kids of um, they're not being sort of good enough or up to the level and they would have been yeah, just part of the squad or on the bench sort of thing. But um, they're certainly um, key figures in in the league at the moment. So. Uh, that that's not going to help anyone um, of telling someone they've done the wrong thing when they certainly know that um, we've got to we've got to pull them all up and um, bring everyone along with us and um, get the best out of each other and and I think um, one of you mentioned last week you interviewed Princess um, Abini from my team who's who's another one that's flying and um, she mentioned as well that um, it's like they're playing without fear and that's that's all like that's awesome as a as a player that's exactly what you want out of your out of your kids is they're there for a reason they're able to do unbelievable things and yet they've sometimes been too scared in the past or scared they'll make a mistake and get yelled at but that ability to um, play with freedom and um, take people on and do fancy stuff and hit bangers is is what we're seeing now because because everyone's loving them and they're in a place where they're free and able to express themselves and and have fun and um, that's I think why a lot of the reason why we're getting such a good um, turnout this year and having such a good league. Ellie, you got called up um, for Matilda's Talent ID camp with a lot of those kids that are really playing with a lot of freedom. How was that for you? Because you're one of really. I think you were the only capped Matilda there and you were one of only a couple of sort of senior players. How was it being in that environment with these kids that are looking to get their first opportunity and you're probably, I imagine you're someone who's looking to maybe get back into the fold. How has that sort of experience been? Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, coaching staff were phenomenal, all female, I might add. It was um, incredible down in Canberra. Um, everyone very professional and and doing a great job 
Um, and yes, I felt old, that's for sure. Um, almost, I was probably definitely closer to the coach's age than <laughs> all the coaches' <laughs> ages than the uh, than the, my colleagues. Um, but anyway, no, it was it's sort of, sort of just similar to what I'm sort of talking about here at, at Sydney of um, just trying to impart some feedback and knowledge to the kids and I mean trying my best of yeah I've along the way and yes certainly I still have those sort of aspirations it's a bit of a um, fire in the belly still a bit unfinished business sort of a thing um, and I want to try and do the best for myself but um, yeah it was a it was a great experience to to get to know some of the kids and um, yeah the, the coaching was was great for them and um, there's still a long way to, to go with some of, but they were such, uh, some of them are really young. So, and just brought in for some experience. So, um, it's great that we're getting that, you know, quite a few levels of, um, experience in, in really young kids. And then they're going to be just bit, so much better off it for the next time around. And, um, you see that you saw them throughout the, the camp sort of ease into it and get, gain more and more confidence. So, they're just going to be much better off for it. Ellie, you mentioned uh, Kara Cooney-Cross before. She's obviously a standout young player. You mentioned Princess Sabini. But I'm interested from your perspective as a defender, are there any young defenders who you are really rating coming through the W League recently? Yeah, um, there's a few in our team, but um, I'll pick around the league a bit. Um, Actually, one is... Jess Nash, Jessica Nash, um, who I was a bit sad we didn't sign her at Sydney um, throughout the off season. To be honest, um, she we, she was a train on with us last year, and I think maybe the, even the year before that. Um, so she yeah she was really impressive last year as a as a train on and a, um, a big a squad player. Um, so I spent a lot of time with her um trying to and she was just really receptive to any coaching and um yeah it was phenomenal um I think her her potential is really really great um I, I can't wait to see what she's got in store you mentioned before Ellie you touched on what princess said about kids playing without fear and I guess not sort of uh playing the pecking order so much with the kids nowadays have you noticed that transition in recent years um in the w league system in women's football in terms of maybe that different approach to kids and the sort of i guess the nurturing rather than the i guess a pecking order do your time and then work your way up have have you noticed an active change yeah 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 it's been quite obvious i reckon um especially at clubland um it was sort of the norm to always have uh the kid the the youngest always are in first in the in the drills or um, they're, they're, they're the ones that always have to pick up all the balls at the end of session, move the goals, get all the cones. Yeah, in the past, I think they've even had to clean older players' boots. Um, but it's it's great. We've sort of come, <laughs> come past that and everyone chips in. There's no, there's no yeah, hierarchy really. Um, and and I think that really helps with um, confidence on the field. And as I said, they're mainstays in the team, and they're they're not just coming to, um, you know, fill in time or spots. They've got a they've got a big role to play. Um, and if if we can help them with with confidence, and and the other thing is, I harp on so much my teammates will say about. Um, communication on the field and what a key skill it is um, and nothing sort of irks me more than someone not talking when they could have and helping out a helping out a teammate um, and in the past and we're starting to get there uh, it takes a lot for some of the young girls to try and speak up and say what they see on the field um, but but everyone, I try and stress, everyone's got the, the same voice and everyone's got to um, speak up and help each other out. And it doesn't matter if you like T and I are playing a thousand million games and 
grey hairs or, um, yeah, it's, or it's your first game. Um, everyone's got a role to play there and it's, it helps the team out and we need, we need voice and we need you to be confident because when you, when you come off the bench or when you start, you've got a job to do and you, you've got a role to play. Um, and you've got to fulfill that. It's sort of a, it's a, it's a job, really. It, they're they're earning pretty good um, money, or well, compared to what we were as at their age. Um, not that that sort of matters, but um, they they sort of we I guess try and instill that they're they're a big part, as big as anyone else in the team, and um, their role is important. Is coaching something that's in your future, Ellie? Because we know I know you've been involved as a PFA delegate. You've obviously been a club captain. You mentioned wanting to bring players through. Is coaching something that you see in your future? Um, maybe, yeah. I'll, I'll do I'll do some coaching courses. Um, um, yeah, I'll certainly give that a bit more time. Um, and development stuff, I love. Yeah, sort of trying to develop people, even individually. Um, like I like going through individual game reviews with people. Um, really try, might even try and bring in something from the AFL. They have about a thousand coaches. We have one really, an assistant as well, but they have a, a line coach for defence, mids, backs. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say, forwards, mids, backs. Um, and I think a specialist defensive coach would be perfect for our game and there's no reason why we, we shouldn't be able to have that, especially at the highest level. Um, I don't know if it's, it's, there's enough attention put on it um, at a, in a lot of places, in a lot of clubs and um, or even, I don't know, at the national team level. But, um, yeah, that may be a niche thing I could would maybe interested in getting into or um, – yeah, I'd coach my kids growing up, I guess. <laughs> I'd want them to play soccer or some sort of sport if they if that could possibly happen. But um, I don't know if the the head coaching role at a um, W League or A League club would be something is it's a stressful job. It's a very stressful job. <laughs> um, which I like stress and performing under pressure and stuff, but um, I think more that one-on-one mentoring sort of a capacity would be more my um, jam. Well, Ellie, you just mentioned line coaches with AFLW. Um, obviously, as Marissa mentioned, you spent time at GWS. Um, you've juggled sports. I mean, what did you, we hear all about how difficult it is to juggle sports and that sort of thing. What have you taken away from AFLW? Is there anything that you think's made you better on the on the football field as well? Um, I think I'm probably a bit, uh, I, I guess I'd sort of learn a new way of training or um, doing pre-season and strength and conditioning. So my body probably changed a bit and um, got a bit stronger and um, fitter and better off it for that, for sure. Um, and I, I would have probably taken more from from soccer over to AFL, to be honest. And um, they were, the games have Games are pretty similar in a lot of ways, especially as um, playing defence. You, it's you sort of read the game as as you do as a defender in soccer. So um, it was it was nice to balance them and um, to be able to take things from both for sure. I guess a lot. Also, the other thing I took a lot of from Aussie Rules was that teams team camaraderie sort of stuff that I was mm. um, talking about before and. Um, it was interesting, like one of the first things I noticed was how many high fives AFL girls do in a training session and let alone in a game. Um, it's just high fives all the time. So much love and camaraderie for your teammates and um, it's such, it was is really, yeah, I noticed that it was really positive, such a positive training environment and uh, um yeah, uh, like all I said before, like trying to make each other better in, in soccer. Well, like I guess I got that sort of thing from Aussie rules, and that's you've, it's really is the is the um, definition of a team sport, really, where your job might just be 
to literally make somebody else's game better just by taking out their opponent and you might not ever get a touch and that's your game and you've done a fantastic game and job and the coach will love you for it. Nobody else will know about it. Um, but that selflessness of AFL, I, I really did take away and um, ran with. Speaking of juggling different things, Ellie, I know that you're still working full-time. Uh, what has it been like trying to juggle work with the sort of increasingly professional sorts of standards of the W League? Is it more and more difficult? Um, yeah, it is. Um, Sydney's Sydney is really good, though, in terms of, and that's our football club, um, in terms of, well, Auntie understands that some of us have, have jobs, so we train either really early in the morning and those of us that work are able to then share and get off to work um, or or later in the evening and after work. Um, so we're, we're hugely thankful for that. And I guess your, your work equally has to be quite understanding of, of your football um, career as well. And I'm lucky I've got a pretty good employer for that and don't have to work weekends or too late at night or if um, – if I'm running late from training, it doesn't really matter too much. Um, so I'm, I'm lucky in a lot of those ways and I do feel for other clubs who um, train at 10 or 11 in the middle of the day and how do the girls work then? Um, I mean, it's it's really not enough to that we're making to be able to have this, like as an adult, as your full-time job. So... Um, the, yeah, at the moment with the, the semi-professionalism sort of way it is, um, you've got to sort of be able to strike that balance. And, I mean, you may be in the league, as I have now, 12 years or whatever it is, um, 13 from the start, um, and you've it's six months of the year, but you've got to be able to uh, – I'm now 13 years older than when I started and uh, I worry that, that girls aren't um, – going to have a career as well coming out of soccer and um, or, or a degree. Um, so the PFA have done great things in, in trying to get us on that path of um, balancing study or, or work as well, um, which I think is very, very important um, because otherwise you can just sort of get caught up in your six months of the year, you, you're a W League player and the other six months you might, work or do a bit here and there but really you're just looking forward to the next W League season and you don't really tread roots or um, throw a career or sort of thing outside of soccer so it's it's really tough and I really applaud girls that um, are sort of have another career or are able to oh, it's lucky there's a lot at the moment that is that at uni um, or and living able to live at home um, and parents are Got a got a lot to be um, um, applauded for with that. So I think a lot of girls are, are, are really supported, supported really well. But we're sort of living in that soccer bubble, and it's not really like real life. So we've got to yeah really strike that balance um, at the way the way that it is at the moment. And we we're sort of pretty jealous of um, the Matildas and girls that are, are paid full time to be able to. And make make some dollars off um, of playing the sport um, year round and full time pay. COVID uh, concerns aside, Ellie, do you expect to see more girls? I think we've seen a few over the last few years take up the option of going to US colleges. Um, it's obviously that's the pathway over there, and it seems like quite a few are. I know some have come since come back, but are taking up that option to do the sort of four years, still play a lot of soccer, and get their education while they're doing it. Yeah, it's certainly a viable path. Um, Amy Sayer from, from Sydney is, is over there at the moment and absolutely loving it. Her teammate's doing pretty well, or ex-teammate from Stanford's doing pretty well in the American national team. Um, so it's certainly the way to go, and she's a phenomenal player that um, that also understood the importance of, yeah, getting a good education and um, having something under her belt there, um, but also she'll be going through the roof with her soccer and improving out of sight there. And she also, I guess, understood the, um, that she can be in the game a, a long time and it's all right to take a few years 
um, in in the American or in the college system and um, throw yourself on and off the field. Um, and she'll still be there and sticking around for the Matildas um, when she decides to to finish her, her studies over there and and realise that you know it wasn't just as a nineteen year old that it was make or break for the Matildas and and hopefully that sort of flows through um, because it's sort of worked with the US national team, hasn't it? That they're sort of starting it later in the piece uh, representing their country and um, it's a bit of a population difference, of course, but, um, yeah, it might be a, a good model to go off. Um, and I, But in saying all that, I also kind of um, like the idea of um, trying your hand at overseas clubs uh, in Europe as, as where you can or, or America and it was a great experience for me. Uh, so yeah, I think the, as many strings to your bow as you can get, and life experience as well, uh, yeah, and you can still be in the game for a, a long time. How much do you think the perspective shifted around that? Because you look at say us three who aren't professional athletes, you look at someone who's twenty one, twenty two, and you go, "You're still really a baby, aren't you?" Like you've barely grown into your body. Like you see in the men's game, I think it's a lot more forgiving with this stuff that it takes players longer to mature and settle and I guess find themselves I, I don't know if girls maybe get the same slack to do that sort of stuff to mature and find themselves do you think it is important to have that focus on maybe letting these girls grow and become players and maybe some do hit their straps a bit later yeah I think that's completely fine and and maybe it's just what um talent's been there in the past of course when Sam Kerr debuted at 16, Sam Kerr's a freak and the one-in-a-generation sort of a player. Um, and there's always – it might be might be those sorts of people that pop along that have to be called up because they're good enough at that age. And there are, the, of course, those people that are good enough at that age. Um, but, but certainly I think you can get better with age. I mean, just for me, I'm not talking about Matildas, but – um, like my body, I'm feeling as good as I ever sort of had and have and um, feel like I'm playing at my best and have all these sort of years of experience and um, different players I've played against in America and like all that experience sort of thing under my belt. Um, and sh- that surely that could add, you know, to the to the um, to to a team or. Um, to the calibre of a, a national team. Sorry, I'm not really. I'm really not trying to <laughs> blow my own <laughs> trumpet there. But if you sort of get my drift of experience, I think is a um, an important factor. Um, as yeah, and and the football IQ I think is is huge, huge importance, and probably doesn't get spoken about enough. But it, it Europe European teams have it um, certainly. The top echelon of US soccer has it, and that's why they continue to be the best. But um, I think all those different types of football, learning the game, knowing the game, watching as much as you can, and um, uh, sometimes we probably haven't um, done that, uh, and it's just because we're phenomenal. Like the kids are phenomenal athletes, and they um, and they can then match it with the world's best, but. Uh, then they can also add to their own own bows with yeah increasing their football IQ and that just comes with experience. And years, I guess. Me, uh, sorry, if you don't mind yeah. me asking, did you ever have to consider pulling the pin? Like it seems like you've had a pretty stable balance with your your physio career and um, football. Did you ever think of pulling the pin? You you may like retiring. Like, sorry, when, did you ever think of ret- yeah? Like we see players have to call it because they can't do the juggle. Have you always been able to manage it, yeah. or did you ever have to think about maybe stopping playing football? Um, I thought about it at the end of last season, um, and I guess that's just I maybe I sort of I was starting to def like feel too old and like I should. Um, because everyone does stop then. Um, I guess there was a bit of that. Uh, uh, but juggling, I, I guess I've, I've only learned my body and learned how to train it better and recover better um, 
as as the years have have gone on. Um, maybe sometimes you don't bounce back as as well as you do when you're 20 or 25. And 25 is going to sound old to so many W League players. <laughs> it's scary. Um, but uh, yeah, I just keep going. Look, look at the um, US national team. Becky Sauberin's just been named captain and absolutely at her best. And how old is she? You guys will know. 30. Carly Kelly Lloyd's 36. Um, there's quite a few that are yeah in their mid mid 30s. And um, I think it's it's a stat, isn't it? Like women sort of peak their fitness at, at 30 or into their 30s. So, um, yeah, your iron women are, are never sort of in their twi- or young 20s. Um, so maybe there's something there, yeah. Um, and I've completely gone off track now. I totally <laughs> forgot your question. <laughs> I mean, changing tack a little bit, Ellie, I wanted to ask you about something uh, that is quite specific to a more recent game that you were in. Uh, one of the big talking points coming off the last Sydney derby was about double headers, uh, about yes. whether or not uh, whether or not they're good for the women's game, good for the W League, good for players, good for fans. What's your take on double headers, particularly the one that you were in, where the women's game was played second? Mm. Um, in general, I do not like them. Uh, I thought it was an interesting experiment going with us playing later, and I sort of. Um, was glad to be involved in an experiment like that. At least we tried it. Um, and at least we had the, yeah, at least we tried it. Um, and it sort of felt like, oh, we're the main show. And the boys were the curtain raiser, curtain raiser in quotation, like that we usually are the lead up game. And so in general, that's probably why I don't like the double header as long as, uh, along with all the things you guys mentioned last episode with, cost um it's people shouldn't pay exorbitant amounts um to come and watch watch I, I i reckon anyone but it should be accessible for all um as well as a six hour sitting out in a stadium in the sun um i literally i would be well i do i go home, often go home after our games because i'm exhausted but um, I don't know if I'd sit around. I love football. I don't know if I'd be able to sit around for two whole games. Um, and but in in one of the positives, warming up straight away after the men's for our game was you looked into the crowd and there were heaps of young families and lots of young girls and we were waving every time we sort of or they were waving at us us first every time we sort of ran over to that side of the field and back. And I think. Like that was a real positive of, of sparking a bit of inspiration there. Um, hopefully there's some of those young kids and knowing, oh, my gosh, the girls can play too. Like that would have, as at that age for me, that would have been huge. So maybe there was some um, something gained there with exposure and, and that's great. But at the end of the day, I would, would like, would, would love us to just have our games standalone and probably advertised and marketed so that as many people can get to them as possible and it's accessible for all and everybody knows about it and why why aren't our results on the news and in the paper like all like all the men's games are and yep you I think we blow the same horn here guys trumpet guys but um yes uh I certainly um heed your word there of yeah, I'd, yeah, exactly. I'd love it uh, in a perfect world just to be a standalone um, game with with proper resources. And I mean, often for our game, our double headers, our game is not even mentioned on ticket. Like Sydney FC versus Western Sydney Wanderers, um, kick off seven pm, gates open five. Um, we start at five oh five. It's not mentioned on the ticket, like. It's it's been a bit of a joke, really. Some of the the marketing sort of shambles that come with it, like and when we can't, people just want to come and watch our game as well, but they 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 can't get tickets often because they have to buy a men's ticket and it yeah it's just crazy. But 
anyway, here we are. So the A, yeah, I reckon like in that space, the AFLW has done a pretty good job of um, having it, its own window. I I don't mind it if they're gonna being in the same window if they're gonna um, market it equally and and really show an equal footing um, for all of us playing football. But why should why should your son you know grow up to be able to be a million bajillionaire and your daughter not <laughs> playing football anyway rant over <laughs> sorry guys rant. you fit in right on this podcast yeah, welcome. Welcome. Yeah. everyone listening welcome to the fifth member of the far post podcast <laughs> <Oi Rush. laughs> melon out elite yeah. oh. just to touch on that game ellie you scored and Talking before this recording, you actually are the owner of one of the great niche stats of the W League. You've scored more goals than any other defender, apparently. Uh, how do you feel about holding this record? And how much do you love a goal? Love a goal, yes. All my teammates will tell you um, at training, I love a goal. Um, so to do it, you know, in front of all the, the eyes of everyone... <laughs> And celebrate like a crazy person um, is is phenomenal because they really do not come around very often, and we're not, you know, we're not, we don't get, I don't ever get in those group photos of everyone hugging after a goal <laughs> that's put in the marketing and waved around. I'm two hundred meters away by the time those photos are all finished being taken, so. <laughs> It's nice to, to have one of yourself. Um, but, yeah, I didn't know that, that stat. That's nice. <laughs> Bring it there up at training, um, I reckon. And <laughs> the other thing Sam pointed out, if you might have heard this on the pod a couple of weeks back, is you love celebrating your teammates' goals as well. Oh, you might not I always saw Sam retweet this. But you did. You were- yeah. Do you know what? I? Yeah, that's so funny that Sam put that up because – the week before, so that was against Newcastle. So the week before when we played um, Western Sydney, in our match review, um, Ante was going through, like we, we sort of go through good and bad stuff and blah, 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 then get to the goals at the end. And we watched them all through and Ante was like, now go back to that first goal and everyone just cast your eyes down to the bottom, very bottom right corner and – it's me and so we're watching watching the sort of it play out and the goal's scored and I just absolutely lose it go ballistic um with Courtney Vine scoring the opener at Bank West Stadium um and it's and of course that wasn't on the coverage that was like from the bird's eye view of the game vision um, and everyone just cracked up laughing. They're like, is your shoulder okay? Have you literally thrown out your shoulder? But, yeah, everyone cracked up laughing. And, yeah, I do love a goal celebration and I actually that I definitely love other people's goals way more than mine. I, I'm honest about that. That's, that, well, there's a lot more of those. So lucky. Um, but, yeah, he did point that out. And then the week after you... Um, noticed that, picked that up in the coverage, Sam, and um, yep. tweeted the little GIF thing when someone had even said, oh, I've got to make a GIF out of that, and there you go. <laughs> we all, we actually, we fed that around our group chat and bar hard at that, and yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, you're, you're famous within our ranks, that's for sure. But, <laughs> yeah, thanks for picking up on that. But I, awesome. yeah, I, yeah, you've got to, yeah, you've got to, love other people scoring more than yourself and it's such a nice thing yeah Yeah, totally it's such a nice thing I think because it's it really shows the kind of camaraderie that you were talking about before you know especially this season there seems to be something about this season across all the different teams Mm. where there's just this sort of joy everyone is just so stoked really to be playing with each other to be playing football at all considering the circumstances of the rest of the world you know it just and that's sort of one of those really cool moments that really sort of spoke to me in that way Ah, uh, cool. Yeah, no, nice to hear. Um, it it certainly is, and I, th- I guess that yeah, we mentioned the AFLW, but um, and one thing that that probably I realised like set like the clubland apart from clubland soccer, um, is that like that's the pinnacle at AFL. 
you, you can't then go and represent Australia. So there's not this tension underlying um, competition. Of course, there is for spots, but um, you want your team to to do as best it can, which is really coming to the W League this season. And yeah, I, every, as I said, I'm a big fan of watching Newcastle and Canberra and Victory play. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people are the same um, in that regard. We just we just want to see everyone do really well in the league to get a good rap. We we usually have Angela on with us, and as I said, she's a big Canberra enough, but I think the only uh, enough bigger than her is her dad. So we we told him that we were having you on and he was like, I've got questions. So uh, <laughs> we need to we need to ask some questions on behalf of Angela's is this, dad. Is this Captain Angelo? Yes, that yes. is the yes. one and only. Oh, um, we go way back. <laughs> circa, circa 2008, probably. I love it. She's going to listen to this and just be like, oh, my God, <laughs> which is going to be incredible. Angela's dad is so also. her dad, let's hear it. He's the one-man merch machine, Ellie. He's the one who makes the totes, he makes the T-shirts, and he's a massive Canberra United fan, and I think you were his favourite player back in the day. Oh, so, what a legend. This is why you're up. You're I don't up know. My mum probably beats him as the number one Canberra United fan. <laughs> they were there on the weekend. They were just, they still go to every game, mum and dad. So they, <laughs> they don't support Sydney FC because you're there. They still support Canberra. Yeah, they support their daughter and Canberra. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, I gave mum a Sydney FC shirt. Christmas and um, no, she they definitely do support Sydney. <laughs> Canberra's, of course, now dropped to second, their second favorite team, but it's always a place in the heart, <laughs> of course. Um, so yes, on behalf of Peter, the one man merch machine, um, he had a couple of questions. So one of them was. Peter Benetti had the nickname of the cat, which according to some of his Chelsea teammates was because he gave the defence kittens. So who's the keeper that's filled you with the most confidence to play in front of over your career? Ooh, that's good. Um, oh, I, I play, played with, well, Jard is great at the moment. Um, it would be remiss of me to not to say her. Of course, Lydia. Williams. Um, I played with Erin McLeod in for the Houston Dash, Canada's um, number one goalkeeper there for a while. She was phenomenal um, and is right up there. And I, at Clubland, like NPL Clubland, I play with Eliza Campbell, um, who's a legend and um, absolute cat in goals. Um, yeah, so any one of those, any one of those four. Mm. Uh, which opponent fills you with the most apprehension at set pieces for their aerial ability? For their aerial ability, um, I back myself against most, even though I'm tiny. <laughs> um, Tara Andrews, she's up there. Good goal. Again by her on the weekend. Mm. Um, yeah, Tara's up there. Um, Michelle's pretty good in the air and another foot as well, taller than me. Um, Carly Lloyd was also always a jet in training at – played with her in Houston as well. Um, um, bloody – Lynn Williams is, is everywhere. You never want to play against her. Um, yeah, there's some, they're some good names. <laughs> also like coming up against Sam Kerr in that way. Is she as yeah. is she as difficult to mark in the air as she seems on telly? Yeah. Um, yeah, she gets up so early and has all that Cristiano Ronaldo hang time. I think it's probably tricky what's tricky about, about her. So she sort of unbalances you. You're about to go up, but she's already on the up, so knocks you sort of thing back down. Um, and so zippy in there that, yeah, you've got to be I, – I love playing against Sam though. And um, Caitlin Ford and I always um, in training had this 
unspoken sort of battle in the in the cage. Um, we'd always finish with it at training, which is like a small-sided game, and I'd never want to let her beat me. And it was a similar thing like that with <laughs> Sam Kerr um, playing her. <laughs> so I don't know if she has. She's scored against me or won, I can remember, but. Yes, we'll have to check the record books with that. No, Sam's yeah, Sam's too silky in the in the box anywhere. Yep. And last one from Angela's dad. Like I said, he he's really put a lot of thought into these questions. So just if you're listening, you've done really well here. You've made our job um really easy. He has likened you to the late great Bobby Moore. He reckons your style of defending and reading of the game reminds him of Bobby Moore. But who do you think you play like? Ooh, I'd love to say uh, I'm a big Liverpool fan, so Virgil van Dijk. I do not have the uh, – <laughs> there's another one out there. I reckon Sam's a Liverpool fan too. Um, Did the arm uh, pumping give it away? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, no, I always I always loved um, Fabio Cannavaro, um, if anyone knows, knows him out there. Italian um, Italian centre back and captain. Um, yeah, I, and I think he was once quoted as saying, "The perfect game is when you don't make a tackle as a centre back," and that's sort of my mantra as well. Um, which is yeah, which is um, I mean, I guess why why I always go a bit unnoticed or. Um, I seem to have quiet games. Um, but, like, if a centre-back's not making a tackle, then the defence is done pretty well. Um, and and that's my mantra is is stop things before they get to sort of happen and um, are, are too critical to uh, – too much of a critical a point. So that's why I'm so big on communication and everyone talking and um, – because, yeah, it's like I'll tell T to move left or right and she does this awesome, it's it's mostly her, she does this, she can read read the game like no one else but now I should have used somebody else as an example but um, she can't see what's behind her so we want, we want to tell her um, left or right where that we know that player is going to pass the ball and um, she makes this fantastic diving save and it's all on her but I like to think the centre-backs had something something to do with that and, and of course, we don't get the clearance or the stat or whatever <laughs> off that. Um, but that's that's a bit of my, my mantra is, yeah, stop it before it even gets to you. That was a great answer, by the way. Yeah. Super. And, and also, should be wrapped. He'd better be listening. Like, yeah, absolutely. But thank you so much for jumping on and chatting with us. We've kept you for far too long oh but gosh, um, it's way it was a really good chat so I hope you you enjoyed having a little chin wag with us as well and I um did. best of luck for the rest of the season thank you so much I know you guys will be watching so we better we no better pressure. do our best no pressure. <laughs> I'll keep those celebrations crazy. yes yes please <laughs> encourage encourage all your teammates to celebrate like wild because it's yeah we love it we love it on this side of the field oh good